up everybody championship leadership podcast here and today i'm, I'm excited we have uh anka herman and she is she's coming in uh from the south of spain from a place that i cannot pronounce so we're gonna leave it at that and uh but she's the host of the passion business podcast she's a passion business coach she works with solopreneurs entrepreneurs really in the early stages of their business to help them to grow and get to where they want to be uh so with that anka i really appreciate you being here thank you so much Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so I always, I always started off this way. So the, the name of the podcast is called Championship Leadership. And so what comes to mind for you? Like, what, is, what does championship leadership mean to you when you hear that? Inside out. It's inside out. It comes from you. I love it. Yeah, what do you mean? Like, what jumps to me that it's not about giving orders or telling other people what to do. It's more mm -hmm. about leading in a sense of in the way you're showing up in the world yourself. Yeah, that's great. I love that. Jumps to mind. Yeah. So are there any uh, inside out championship leaders that come to mind for you? And, and if so, like maybe what are some of the things that, that really stand out to you or maybe that you've even taken from some of these folks to kind of mold you into the leader that you are? Jamie Smart would have to jump in there first. I trained with him and he was one of those people who I first came, came when I first came across him online, there was, you know, Rich Litvin as well. There was, I was looking at these people thinking, well, I want to be like you when I grow up, Yeah, you know, so, and the, biggest impact they had is basically showing me how we create our own world through the power of, of thought, through our own thinking, how we really are full of creative potential, full of resilience and, and knowing how that works allows you to be really present with somebody else and sort of shine that light from the inside towards other people so that's really 
in there, there are quite a lot of other people. There's, you know, Michael O'Neill jumps to mind, Dr. George Pransky. Like there's a whole heap of people who've influenced me in that way that really have helped me get to where I'm now. And who knows where that where goes next. Yeah, I love it. So, what, well, you know, tell us a little bit more about yourself. And um, we've got the Passion Business Podcast, Passion Business Coach. Like, where did that all come about or how did that originate? That's a very interesting and unique name. I love it. Um, but yeah, tell us a little bit more about you and what you do and maybe the path that got you to where you are today. Yeah, I think the path when you, when I really look at it, it actually started back growing up in East Germany, you know, when the war was still up and there was always a sense that, boy, there's got to be more to life than this. Yeah. Because well, I don't know how much you're aware of what East, life in East Germany was like, but mm-hmm. you know, it was a very small country. You weren't allowed out. And, you know, yeah. there was safety and security in, in a way. But at the, same, at the same time, I never really learned to, like I never really appreciated that as much. I always saw the bits that, yeah, but, you know, you you have your safe career path and you're safe, you know, you go to uni if you get in and then you get a job and then you work, you retire and you die, you know. So there was no no risk involved. But there was also always, for me, there was always the sense that the whole spice of life is missing. Yeah. There's so many things, there's so many places. And like a classic expression of that, was when it was time to choose foreign languages beyond English and Russian we had at the time, I picked Latin and ancient Greek because I thought it was more useful wow. than, you know, learning French and Spanish, knowing that I would never be allowed to travel there. You yeah. know? So it was really that. And it felt to me, it really felt really small. You know, and at the same time, I watched my grandma who had all these ideas, all these things she would have loved to do and somehow with circumstances never get to do, got to do. So I think for me, that whole, yeah, I'd say passion of, of making the most of life and really like squeezing the juice out of it and trying things out and rather go for it and fall flat on my face rather than always sitting there wondering what would have been if I had you know so that has been really really strong like yeah ever since I can remember and so in that context you know when I basically came on a holiday to Spain back in 2002 and wandered through the old part of town thinking boy you know I love the the, I love the air I love the simplicity I love the the whole air of flamenco music and and that was really like oh God, I don't want this holiday to end and I would really love to live here. Then it wasn't like, for me, it wasn't really that unusual to take that next step to think, hmm, so what would it take to to pull off to actually move here? And I thought I'd rather give it a try because compared to getting out of East Germany, that was like a, you know, not a one-way ticket, so who cares? And I really thought I'd rather try it and if I don't like living in Spain, well, then I just take my bag and go somewhere else. Like it's not, you know, but I want to know. And um, so, yeah, the next step was, okay, what would you do for a living? 
I was working in IT as a software developer in a bank and I think, hmm, you know, not exactly what I would want to keep doing <laughs> when I, if, I, if I were to move to the south of Spain. And then I was, I remember the moment I was sitting in, like I was in my living room cutting a dress on my dining table and I had some flamenco music playing in the background. And I'm like, yeah, that's what I do. Like I knew, like I'd have a sewing studio and I'm not into fashion industry. I don't care. I want made to measure unique kind of outfits that are really for a particular person, for a particular purpose. And I'm like, yeah, that's what I do. And then there was like, okay, so what exactly is stopping me? And I'm like, well, I <laughs> don't know. Can't think of anything. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and so, yeah, I mean, I was like, I, I took a couple of years to sort of plan my exit, but yeah. then I did resign. I went to, you know, you can, you can imagine the big London bank walk into the office of my boss and say, you know, I'm going to resign. Why? Where are you going? What are you doing? Um, I'm going to move to the south of Spain and I'm going to make flamenco dresses. And, you know, they just thought I was totally nuts. <laughs> and, um, but yeah, so I did. And I mean, I did have a, a sort of a remote contract for a few months, which, which was great. And I, read, I literally went in there with, you know, how, how hard can it be? You know, I knew how to sew. And, um, you know, all I have to do is find somebody who buys an outfit I made. You know? <laughs> and, and well, then I learned it wasn't all that easy, especially like in the beginning, lots of hustling, lots of running around and knocking on doors and being kind of told to get lost, basically. Yeah. And um, But again, there was a bit of a stubbornness as well. I wasn't kind of going back to crawling back to London and saying, yeah. oh, that didn't work out. So I wasn't, I basically got sort of a breakthrough order through some contacts that uh, got me on, you know, got the ball rolling, basically. But I think the, and I thought, you know, okay, that's the happily ever after. But yeah. actually what happened was like the, the biggest challenge came afterwards. The biggest challenge came when I had enough orders and I had, you know, what looked like a success, successful business. I had actually gotten what I'd asked for and realized, well, boy, I built myself a hamster wheel, right? I built myself a hamster wheel and having grown up as being, the good girl where yes is the default answer did not help <laughs> Spanish clients who are very outspoken when they want something and they don't take no for an answer, even if you do say no and uh -huh. find saying no extremely difficult. This was just like a recipe for like, well, not disaster, but burnout. You oh, know, wow. so when I took, I took about eight years to get there <laughs> to really yeah. sort of wear myself out to get to that point where I was like, you know what, if live your dream, if that's what that is, yeah. I want nothing to do with it. Yeah. And, and had one of those, you know what, forget about it kind of moments. And, and I did look for a job, to be honest, yeah. but it was like sort of in the middle of economic crisis. So there was like nowhere in hell anybody would have hired me. And, <laughs> and so, and I was like, yeah, okay, well, the easiest way forward is make another skirt. It was the moment where, where, where insights hit that changed the whole thing around because it was the moment where I no longer cared about what would happen if I said no to something that I didn't want to do. Because the whole time it was always like, well, you know, Granada's a small place, you know, and they all talk and they all know each other. So if somebody says, come bring the tape, bring the dress to the theater at 10 at night, 
And if I say no, then she'll be upset and then she'll tell everybody else about it. And before yeah. I know it, nobody will, you know, and it had all grown via word of mouth. So I really thought I cannot afford to peeve somebody off, you know. But then when I got to that low point where I really thought, you know what, I'm just not having this anymore. I started to say no. And that's when really the surprise hit because the reaction was like, oh, okay. I'll pick it up on Monday then. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And it was really like, oh, and it just really sort of dropped, like the penny yeah. dropped that for all these years, I had thought my pushy, demanding Spanish clients were causing the pressure and the stress that I was feeling. And in that moment, and, you know, obviously I tried it once and I tried it again and I realized, boy, I had no way of predicting what some what would peeve off somebody and usually i was wrong and i realized that well actually it was the story that i'd made up about what saying no would mean that yeah. caused the question not if somebody's wanted their dress for a particular date you know and that really was like boy you know it changed the whole experience my first, the first change I noticed was, oh, all of a sudden my client work clients were not nicer. And then I realized, well, even that wasn't right because even that was like, well, they probably always were like that. You just could never see it because you're yeah. so stressed and so precious yeah. that you can't even appreciate it. So shortly after that, there was a people said, oh, you should write a book. And I'm like, nah, I don't know. Like a book is still just my story and it isn't, if anything, I'd love to help other people find their own way. Because for me, it was the people-pleasing thing. Somebody else has stuff around money going on that, yeah. that, you know, makes life difficult. And somebody else has things about I'm not good enough or everybody has their own thing. So I thought I'd, I don't want to tell somebody my story. I want to help other people resolve theirs. And so that's where you know, I thought, well, okay, coaches do that. And that's when I sort of went back in the coach training and, and um, started to transition, you know, basically pivoting again, there we go, <laughs> into, yeah. into what I'm doing now. No, that's, that's awesome. That's an amazing story. I love it. And, uh, you know, there's so many people that do, they go through life like that, um, especially, you know, in the space as a coach, entrepreneurs, business owners that you're, you're working with, they, they have some strong stories around people and around how things work or how they might play out that really, you know, I bet had you came to that realization a lot sooner, <laughs> you know, you, it, it would have been, you know, it, your story is your story and it happened how it happened. But at the same time, you can realize that, wow, like it really was just me the whole time that yeah. was getting in the way. Humbling. Yeah. And now sure. you can you can help uh, others as the coach, the passion business coach to, uh, to help them to avoid some of that stuff uh, through the experiences that you've had. So well, take me back to, you know, when, when the wall uh, was taken down, like what was that like for you? I can't, you know, I, I, I can't really imagine what it had to be like, you know, when you were describing it, I was like, yeah, that makes sense as far as you just kind of were operating and doing what everybody else did. Right. And can't go. But when it, that moment, when it does, is it, you know, what was that like to remember where you were at? And also 
are there others that maybe because it was a certain way for so long that even though the wall was gone, it was kind of like this, the wall is still there. That's kind of a question that I have in my head too, as I'm thinking about it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I know exactly where I was and I, I still <laughs> remember I was like, because I actually, well, I don't know that there was a couple of ways to get out of East Germany before the wall came down. And one was to sort of just sort of physically try and jump the border at the risk of getting shot, basically. And yeah. um, the other one was to to hand in sort of paperwork, you know, to say, well, you know, I want to travel or whatever, you know, a couple of excuses went there and they basically told you, well, that doesn't have any legal grounding go home forget about that but then you know you know basically you'd lose your job you you get kicked out of uni and so you know you're being processed and so i i actually took that path right my parents did and so and basically what happened i actually got out in february 89 after two years of you know being in limbo without knowing whether you're ever going to get out and if then you don't know how long it takes. And then basically in February, I got this notification to say, okay, you've got two weeks. You need a whole pe- lot of people to sign that they're okay for you to leave, that you don't owe them anything and whatever. And this is your train, out you go. And one way ticket, you know? So, and I left with that, like thinking, okay, if I'm lucky, I might see my grandparents again because mm. pensioners were allowed to travel because God, if they don't come back, we save some money. But, you know, anybody else, friends, family, I left knowing I would not ever see them again. Now, when in July, you saw on the news that people start like that the Hungarians had sort of loosened the border and people would you know, each night, oh, another 50, another 100 who would escape via the Hungarian-Austrian border. It was like, it was like so exciting, but at the same time scary because there was always the sense they're going to come down on this. Yeah. You know, and even the day the wall came down, like everybody would have always, like the question wasn't, will that wall come down? The question was like, when will the tanks come in? Mm, yeah. You know, like even right to the very last minute, nobody believed it possible that this wall would ever come down in no. our lifetime. You know, so when it actually came down, we were like, oh, you know, there was a bit like, oh boy, I could have saved myself <laughs> a, lot of, <laughs> a lot of hassle. But then also what, you know, what looked like a one-way ticket no longer was, you know, yeah. so it was like yeah. hugely liberating. And yes, I always thought that wall, will remain at least another generation. And I saw it play out in 10 years later at a class, at a school reunion. Uh And I went and I just gotten back. I lived in Australia for five years and I just gotten back to Europe and there was like 20 something people. And I was the only one. There was one other guy who lived in Holland for a while, which is basically like next door. Yeah. And everybody else was, some had gone to West Germany for a while, some were there, but some, a lot of them had gone, come back. And there were still, I don't know, about four or five who were still living and walking distance of that school we went to. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, like, yeah, but that's, that, if you look at it, it really shows how it's never the event. It's how it's, it's about what you make of it. Mm-hmm. Because I always looked at, yeah. you know, we're so limited and I want out, out, out. And these people basically 
felt like, okay, that's familiar. This is our home. This is where we have our roots and this is where we stay, you know, same events, but it's just a totally different way of dealing with it or looking at it. Yeah. So how have you taken, you know, the, that experience and uh, the environment that you grew up in and everything that we've just been talking about to, to help you uh, as the passion business coach, like when you're working uh, with other entrepreneurs, like what are some of the lessons and things that you've learned through your life experiences that, that help others to create the life they want? Well, one of the biggest thing is like, you never know. Like, you can try and control and try and predict any, anything you like, but there's a good chance that you have no idea. And also it's about, like, I think it often comes back to that dance with the unknown rather than try and run from it. Mm-hmm. You know, to sort of embrace it. And it's like, if, if I've seen anything, it's like, even if you think, you know, you know, you're usually wrong. And yeah. and people do so much that isn't helpful in the name of security, control, predictability, certainty. And especially when you try and build your own business, like you're on, you know, you're on unexplored territory. Yeah, right. So like there is no... You know, and I really like, you know, there is no proven path that you can follow. I think, and also there, a lot of, a lot of it is grit. Like really, you know, you call it stubbornness or call it patience, <laughs> call it determination. But, but that's the other thing that I see a lot that people get discouraged very early, very easily, you know, and that's not how that works either. You know, people always, and I think a lot of the information we get sort of, if you look at online, you know, about information about how to grow a business, there's always somebody who will offer you a quick fix and, you know, you just follow my steps and in six weeks. Does it work that way? (laughs) Well, that's the thing. And I think that was even the motivation for the passion business podcast, because I am totally convinced that that is not how it works. Yeah. It's it's and it's damaging in the way that it sets certain expectations in people's mind. It's a bit like learn Spanish in thirty days. Yeah, right. You know, <laughs> you know, like I'm a language geek, and and so I know, like yes, of course, in, in in a week, you can learn enough to you know order beer and find your way back to the hotel. But you know, until yeah. you understand a comedian on stage, you'll just need to invest a little bit more time. And I think it's the same with building a business. Well. You know, yes, they are success stories, but you often don't, they, they don't, often don't look at all the other stuff that's gone on before that one breakthrough that had things happen for them. And people get these ideas of how long things should take and often out there with this looking for immediate sort of return on effort, you know, like predictably quick and you know, I'm thinking, well, no, sometimes you just have to, you know, try here and that doesn't work and then try something else. And, hmm, or, you know, sometimes you have to go f- or stay at it for long enough to even know whether that works or not. You know, so I think that knowing that you're going to be okay anyway, because that's the other thing is like, what do you think that business is going to give you? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's incredible. Yeah, And thank you for it's great perspective, right. To have and, you know, a lot of what you're talking about stories and, and just uh, persistence, determination, discipline, <laughs> 
staying in it. There are no quick fixes. It's so true because there are a lot of people that are feeding off of that or looking for that quick fix and just wanting it to happen so fast. And, and you know, there really is no shortcut for time and experience and, uh, you know, taking some lumps along the way too, right, to kind of yeah. figure it out to get where you want to go. So it's important to to not only have that, but then to have that support from somebody like yourself that's willing to help them through that, that's experienced it, right? You've actually yeah. lived it and gone through it. So what's a big vision for you? You know, championship leaders, they have great vision. Uh, what's what's a vision for you over the next five years, let's say, to where you want to go with the podcast or with your coaching? You know, what kind of impact are you looking to make? I'm all about encouraging and empowering and supporting people to make the most of their life and get off autopilot. And if there is something you're curious about, you think it's something that draws you in, something that pulls you in, go for it. And to really throw yourself in it because, you know, like nobody gets to the end of their life thinking, oh, I wish I'd stayed safe or I wish I'd, you know, worked more or, you know, it's, it's basically make it a crazy ride and enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, as we start to wrap this up, what are one one or two things that you have learned along the way, or that maybe are kind of some guiding principles for you in your life that you, that the listener, you could give to the listeners that they could take, implement, put in their life and uh, move forward right away, like even today? The first thing that jumps to mind is you always know enough to take the next step. And that's yeah. all you ever have to do. Because that stops a lot of people from taking the Absolutely. next step. Not, not yeah, because they think they need to have the whole thing mapped out. You yeah. know, and I always think, well, you can't look around corners. Yeah. If you want to know what's behind that, it's not a straight path. And if you want to know what's around that corner, you have to walk up to that corner Mm -hmm. for the next part, like next part of the path to sort of unfold in front of you. But you can't figure that out sitting at your desk. So it's basically, you know, find the tiniest step you can take. And sometimes it's like, you know, find out the email of somebody, you know, make that phone call, send that message, reply, leave that comment. Like, it can be such like the small, like it doesn't have to be a huge step. It can be small, but just take it without caring about what comes of it. Because I think once you produce something, once you do something, once you send that message, it's almost, it's no longer yours. It can have a ripple effect. You have no control and don't try and control that. It's no longer yours. Let it take its path. So it's really that do it and don't think too much about it. Yeah. Beautiful. That's that's great advice. I love it. What's our what are a few ways that the listeners can find out more about you and what you are doing and the podcast and, and everything else that you have going on in in the south of Spain? <laughs> yeah, the, the easiest way is like to go to passionbusinesspodcast.com. Well, that takes you to my website, which is ankerherman.com. That's Herman double double R and double N. Ankerherman.com. I'm also active on LinkedIn. I'm active on Facebook. And so if you just type in ankerherman.com, uh, ankerherman in Google, you're going to find me. And yeah, we'll, we'll get that linked up too, definitely. What's, uh, so is there a book? Is there a book coming? I know you mentioned that and it sounds like you can. Been- 
it's one of those that. things. It's one of those things. It's probably, yeah, it hasn't got a title yet, but I don't know. It's there's probably be a, coming. There's a book coming. <laughs> Come on. Probably, yeah, I think there's one maturing. Mm. All right, great. I love it. So thank you so much for taking time to be here. I really do appreciate it. And what, what time is it there? It, it's uh, 5.20 in the afternoon. 5.20, okay. Yeah, so it's 10, 9, uh, 10.20 here. So appreciate you taking the time and, and being on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Let's go. In 05 and 06, I deployed to Kuwait. I used to wait every day for them to say, nature going home. I missed my life, missed my wife. For 15 months, she was all alone. But when I got back, I felt out of control. Feeling entitled, I put my life on hold. I keep on drinking, so I'm sinking in a river of liquor. Me and my wife weren't all right. I didn't reconnect with it. I had a business, insurance agent, and rental properties. But is there something bigger than this? I know there's gotta be, so I invested in myself. I started seeing coaches. Life is a camera. I fixed the lens, and now I see in focus. Now my life's unrecognizable from my life just a couple years ago. 17 plus years. And marriage has never been better than this And we got three kids, that's who I do it for I'm gonna be a leader I'ma lead the way Cause I'm a firm believer We can do anything we want If I said it, then I meant it I probably already did it Consider it done Consider it done If you need some inspiration, you should play this Championship Leadership Podcast Hey Bailey